three, two, one. Hey, Hotshots, welcome back to Anyone Can Run, the podcast all about cerebral cultivation, a.k.a. establishing our marathon mentality both on and off the race course. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the guy who is desperately trying to be selected for Team Ultra for the New York City Marathon this year. And I am an NCCA certified personal trainer, YouTuber, and sneakerhead who specializes in helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast covers everything new members of the running community need to know to dominate their first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. We also discuss how to establish our marathon mindsets, because our journey on the road to Gainesville is just one small part of who we are as individuals. Over the years, we've had a number of conversations here related to our marathon mindsets. We've discussed how we can lay the foundation and build up our mental resilience through our health and fitness journey while we work towards achieving our goals. Just like we all begin traversing the road to Gainesville at different points and we're all working towards different goals... We all have different things which bring us joy or make us happy or just plain old put a big dang smile on our faces. One of the most interesting icebreakers I've seen used in different social situations over the years is what brings you joy or what makes you happy. And today I want us to unpack that very question. Whenever I hear that question, I always jokingly respond something like money, power, cars, guns, factories, power. I don't know, just something to that effect because I find the base question amusing. I find it to be a little funny because when I hear that, I think the natural inclination is to name things, people, experiences, or something external. All you long-time listeners know, I'm all about cerebral cultivation. So that's likely just the pessimist in my brain latching onto specific words. But to me, that question, what makes you happy? It sounds like the onus is on me to do something or to get something to be happy. Whenever I hear that question, what brings you joy? I think about the response I give whenever somebody asks how I'm doing. Now, you probably don't know this unless we've met in person, but it doesn't matter if it's a friend, a co-worker, a family member, a stranger. Anytime someone asks how I'm doing, unless I'm under the weather, my response is always better and better. It's something my grandfather used to say, and it's been my go-to response for the better part of the last decade or so, because to me, that response illustrates the power of perspective. Now, when I think about feelings of happiness, elation, and all that kind of positive stuff, I think of it as almost chasing a high. I know I've mentioned this at some point, but I am 100% a caffeine addict. I recall hearing a podcast one time, where someone said, as a hardcore coffee drinker, 
You're always trying to chase that buzz you got when you had your first cup of joe. Translate that to my health and fitness journey with my addictive and psychomaniac work-obsessed mindset. And I know for years, I was absolutely chasing that same feeling of crossing my first finish line. That feeling of accomplishment was one I'll never forget as it kick-started my health and fitness journey. But no race will ever feel just like that. For the first couple years where I was head down, dominating races, training like a madman, I was too focused on grinding and improving. I never took a step back and took a holistic inventory of where I was at. I got so focused on chasing that exact feeling, I ended up overtraining, experiencing mental and physical burnout. And I created a bit of a contentious relationship with eating healthy and exercise. Essentially, I just got in my own head and it adversely impacted me in a number of ways. I spent years chasing that same feeling before I allowed my perspective outside the gym. The guy who's always says he's doing better and better and whose temperament is as cool as the other side of the pillow to translate to who I am inside the gym. I was compartmentalizing my mental state, and in hindsight, it's kind of like when I first began my career. I know this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but there are parallels that I think serve as a useful example here. I took the first full-time job I could, and it was at a call center. As someone who absolutely, positively detests talking to people, you can imagine this wasn't the best fit for my personality. However, I needed something. The company was cool, so I made it work for a while before transitioning to something else. However, when I was early in my career, that first two years where I was at that call center job, I was broke. I was trying to provide for the wife and I, So I worked and I applied for jobs around the clock. My financial situation was a constant source of frustration. So I picked up extra shifts. I applied for jobs literally around the clock with customized resumes and cover letters. And at one point, I distinctly remember doing 10 to 15 a day. And I worked all I could because... It was the only means I had at the time of making money. I was grinding, laser focused. I worked my tail off. I explored every opportunity I could. I changed things up frequently. But like I said, it took me about two years to find another place of employment, which that entire circumstance was a constant state of, or rather a constant source of frustration for me. I continued with this laser focus in my career for probably another five years until we got into a more stable circumstance. Once we did, I kind of eased off the throttle mentally a little bit, and this allowed me to work towards that relaxed disposition I carry now, because I can tell you at the time, I was not. I was always on edge. When I bring up my health and fitness journey, 
I don't know if it was because I was beginning something new or because I started my, I signed up for my first race when I was in the middle of that grind fest in my career, but I treated working out the exact same way. I went head down. I was laser focused. And unlike the career, I was able to get medals and lose weight and build muscle and secure all these quote unquote tangible benefits. Reflecting on that time, it felt like the first time in my life the level of effort I was exerting was yielding dividends, which is likely why I opted to focus on my health and fitness journey so much. However, over time, having that singular focus on one goal, whether that be money with the career or physical improvement with my health and fitness journey, that kind of made other things in my life fall to the wayside. For my career, I was chasing money exclusively. So I ended up taking jobs that weren't something that I actually wanted to do. Or I work more and not hang out with my future wife because it was, like I said, the only way I could make money. For my health and fitness journey, like we touched on, this led to overtraining and injury. I bring all this up because it illustrates the power my perspective at the time had over me. Instead of taking a step back and looking at the big picture, I kept chasing something tangible like money or gold medals. Now believe me, I'm no philosopher or mental health professional, but in my experience, chasing something tangible in an effort to attain satisfaction has never been ideal, at least for me. Reason being, there's always another medal, another pair of kicks, more money. And don't get it twisted because we all need money and, you know, things to an extent to live. But that being said, in my eyes, the chase isn't necessarily a bad thing so long as we've the self-awareness and discipline to step back and know when we've attained enough of what we want. Occasionally, I get questioned about my ultimate career goals, my ambition, the position I want, that sort of thing. My response to that, and friends and coworkers of mine can echo this sentiment, especially those that are really close to me, but my response is always that I am the most driven, ambitious, and disciplined person you've ever met. But I made a conscious decision a long time ago to always be content, but never complacent. Even if tomorrow I got $500 million and my family didn't have to work a day in their lives again, I'd likely start building my dream production studio invest in a handful of other businesses and people, and keep working. I like the feeling of producing, and I love content creation. So to me, that's a type of utility I need to work to attain. And by utility, I mean satisfaction. That being said, I choose to be content in everything in my life. In another episode, I said the single most important thing to me is individual freedom, so long as this doesn't come at the expense of anyone else or anybody else's freedom. The way I see it, 
This sentiment is the power of perspective. No one else has the ability to influence or dictate what goes on in my mind, or really in all of our minds, unless we give them that power over us. Because no one else has the power to dictate how I feel or choose to perceive things, I strive to always hold on to the confidence to always choose happiness and positivity. In my experience, I've seen people continually underestimate the power of their own perspective. I've seen this manifest as individuals choosing to perceive things in a negative light or blaming others for ruining their mood. Heck, I've done this myself many times. I get frustrated at circumstances beyond my control, but nine times out of ten, I'd say I'm able to brush it off. However, on some particularly rough days, there's a moment where a straw breaks the camel's back and I feel like I can't catch a break. I'm sure we've all been there. That feeling where you just can't win, for lack of a better term, that's a normal sentiment. And even if you haven't experienced that exactly, odds are you know what I'm talking about, right? When you have one of those, I forget the name of that book, but it's those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. It's on days like this, I do my best to redirect and channel those negative feelings into something action-oriented and completely different, like we discussed in our How to Channel Negative Energy discussion. The way I see it, People can't make me mad. They can't make me feel bad or shake my confidence or do anything related to how I choose to perceive and view things unless I give them that power. I don't know about you, but I ain't allowing anyone to do a dang thing when it comes to my perspective. I know we harp on it quite a bit in nearly every conversation we have, but remaining cognizant of the power of language, especially when we're referring to our internal dialogues, and the power of perspective, is something that has been invaluable in my retaining a positive outlook over the past few years. I choose to not take things personally. I choose to view those runs where my pace isn't where it should be, or my performance isn't what I expect, or where I'm running in historic Texas heat and have a battle with heat exhaustion and I end up getting sick and feeling like mud for the next three days, I view all of those as outliers. One out of six or eight runs not feeling great, I mean, that's not uncommon. But I remember back in the day, whenever I'd have an off workout session, I'd internalize it and use it as motivation to work out harder the next time. It's like he says in Tropic Thunder. I think it's Matthew McConaughey. He's like, man, I don't care if he's a better actor than you. He cries, you cry harder, man. I know that uh, may seem like a joke, but that's literally how I approached things. Now, if I have an off day or an off workout, I shake it off like I'm Taylor Swift. I don't give it a second thought. And that small shift in perspective has done wonders for my mental health. Again, I'm not a medical or a mental health professional. Today, I'm talking about my personal experiences and thought processes as an example. 
but there are very real issues some individuals have to contend with related to their mental state. The goal of our conversation today isn't to trivialize any of those, or say they need to suck it up, or something like that. That's an antiquated way of handling things. I mention this because context is king, and for the purposes of today's conversation, I'm detailing how remaining cognizant of my perspective has helped me. As always, this is just to serve as an example you can use to help solidify your personal marathon mindset. To shift gears a tiny bit, a few minutes ago, I mentioned how I've made a concerted effort to have the confidence to always opt for positivity. I mentioned that word, confidence, specifically because for me, Choosing positivity as a gut response was never something that felt inherently natural. Now, I do it without thinking. But I recall many times over the years where I'd hear or read something and I'd feel my chest begin to puff a little bit. My muscles begin to tense. You get the idea. This is what I meant when earlier I said, I don't know if it's just the pessimist in me or what. But for years, my initial involuntary kind of gut check response whenever there was something negative was to get upset, right? To fight fire with fire. I recall for years when I'd get feedback at work or when I couldn't lift like I wanted or I'd get a grade that wasn't in line with my expectations, I'd feel defensive. I think whenever you're receiving criticism of some kind, Especially if you don't come from or have a lot of experience in an environment where you receive feedback regularly, or if the subject matter is something you're very close to, I'd suspect that getting defensive is a natural response. For years, I thought that was just how I responded to things. And it wasn't until maybe three, four years ago, I did the thing where you hear something. You take a breath or a couple beats to process, and then you think before you respond. It sounds simple enough, but I'll readily admit this was not something that I practiced. I always tried to avoid talking about medical conditions or anything like that, because yes, I'm a certified personal trainer, but I'm not a doctor or a nurse or any type of medical professional. I mentioned this because when I was younger... I never thought about things like weight or blood pressure, which can get raised when you're feeling angry or frustrated. Those feelings, those negative feelings, can cloud your judgment. They can raise your blood pressure. They can ruin their mood, your mood. Essentially, those feelings can disrupt how you're doing both mentally and physically if you allow them to. For me, a crucial component of my being happy is taking care of myself both mentally and physically. This means redirecting any negative sentiments I may feel, avoiding negativity really overall, focusing on the things I enjoy, and remaining production-oriented, all while never losing sight of what's really important in my life. A couple minutes ago, we mentioned how the power of perspective shouldn't be trivialized. My Consciously choosing to focus on positive things 
is how I maintain my feelings of contentment from a mental standpoint. Now, this isn't to say I never feel downtrodden or anything like that. Life is full of ebbs and flows. And a great metaphor I like is life being like a roller coaster. We all experience ups and downs. And, you know, I know we're talking kind of vaguely here. So I want to transition to a scenario I ran through in my head a while back that served as kind of a wake-up call. I've experienced frustration with many things. My financial situation, my career choices, my performance on the track, all types of stuff that no one has any fun dealing with or admitting. Over the first few years where I was creating content, I experienced a tremendous deal of frustration when I felt the effort I was exerting wasn't yielding dividends. Right at the time, money was something I needed badly just to live and also to afford myself the time I wanted to do the things I actually want to, like to not have to work around the clock so I could spend some time with my darling wife. There was a period early in my training and content creation where I internalized so much of what was going on. It began to adversely impact my self-esteem, my mental state, whatever you want to call it. Now, this never manifested itself as my lashing out or anything like that, because that ain't me. But as it wore me down... I could feel the impact it was having on my headspace when I was interacting with others. Engaging with other people became even more of a drain than it already is as a hardcore introvert. But it required, I remember distinctly, those interactions requiring some thought. Whereas before, it comes natural, right? Somebody's like, hey, how's it going? You don't even think about, at least here in the US, your response. But I remember being so worn down because I was internalizing so much that somebody would be like, how's it going? I'm like, huh? I couldn't even process it. Essentially, I was internalizing and not working through or with any of those negative feelings I was experiencing. I was just bottling it all up, letting it adversely impact my perspective. And although it took some time, It absolutely wore me down from both a mental and physical standpoint. I know we've discussed this before, so I don't want to harp on it too much. But I was severely underestimating the power of my perspective. In a way, I was seeking external validation, but not necessarily from other people. Although, you know, perhaps external isn't the most appropriate way to articulate those sentiments. I was expecting my performance and my actions to bring me happiness or satisfaction or money. So when it came up short, it hurt. Same thing as far as my content was concerned. Although I guess that actually is external because I was expecting or at the very least hoping to do big numbers. I mentioned that just for context, for the larger picture. But the portion relevant today to today's conversation is my performance in the gym not living up to my expectations. I think at the time, was viewing all my workouts like a deposit in a bank. I was investing a significant amount of time 
energy and effort in working out, living healthy and fit, cooking, all that kind of stuff. And I was experiencing, or rather, I was expecting it to pay off exponentially come race day. However, unlike a bank full of tuppence, which was deposited instead of being used to feed the birds, my body experienced overtraining, which led to me developing a negative mental state. When I reflect back upon that time, what I was doing, where my head was at, all that, I vehemently believe I was chasing some sort of validation. It's not a conversation many people like to hear, especially those who are driven and working towards a specific goal. But running, lifting weights, your career, those things don't give you anything back. They don't give you love or a pat on the shoulder. I know we're getting real philosophical here. But this was the discussion I had with myself a few years back. And so that's why I'm giving all this context and these disclaimers. In my eyes, the relationship we have with our work, whether it be a hobby or a career, just like our relationship with exercise, is purely transactional. I know that analogy is imperfect, Because careers have external variables such as co-workers, the company we work at, income. But I think the correlation of the core sentiment of work and working out being transactional is fairly similar. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I vehemently believe the gym is the one place where where everyone's level of effort is adequately reflected or compensated, whatever word you like. On average, the smarter you work in the gym, the the better your gains. And again, while it's imperfect, I think my comparison to our careers is more or less clear because on average, typically, whatever you want to say, the harder and smarter we work at our careers, the more money and promotions we get. Although, like we touched on, there are many external factors which can impact this. So, operating under the assumption that the work analogy is imperfect, for the sake of discussion, let's just pretend that's how things work. That the harder you work, the smarter you work, the better the dividends received. And if we're looking at work and exercise in that light, those transactional relationships are great. You get out what you put in, and there's no politics or games or anything like that. I think of it like going to the store with $10 in your pocket, and all you need is a loaf of bread that you know costs $3. You know you're covered because you've got more than enough, so it's all fine. It's no big deal. You don't even think about the transactional aspect of that relationship. However, prior to my becoming cognizant of the power of my perspective, I didn't necessarily view my health and fitness journey in this transactional sort of symbiotic framework. Nah, I prescribed expectations to these transactional relationships. Without realizing it, I began viewing these things as integral parts of my personal identity. I wanted more, so I worked harder. And at the same time, I conversely ended up expecting more, more money, 
better performance, more medals, all that. And in hindsight, that was the beginning of the issue for me. In a previous conversation, I divulged the not-so-big secret on how to ensure you're the hardest worker in pretty much any room you're in. Derive utility, satisfaction, and or happiness from the process. To take that a step further and transpose this piece of advice to our lives outside the gym, I'll use an example from my favorite film, In the Heights. There's a song where they're talking about someone, and they say, She sang the praises of things we ignore. Glass Coke bottles, breadcrumbs, a sky full of stars. To me, there's no more succinct illustration of the power of one's perspective. Again, I'm no mental health professional. I'm literally just a dude sitting in his closet recording a podcast for the world to hear. And this is just what's worked for me in my experience. I reiterate this again, even though we've touched on it, because it's very easy for statements to be taken out of context. And I ain't about that life because one of my favorite quotes is from Eze Eric Bischoff, and that is context is king. There are very real mental health issues in the world. And if someone is coping with depression or something like that, I ain't going to be the jerk who's like, oh, you aren't happy, just choose to be. Because I don't believe in belittling what someone else is going through. Nah, I'm just talking about my experience and the things I've worked through. I reference that quote from In the Heights because in hindsight, if I had switched my focus and goals towards the process itself, I would have been so much happier. We have total control over how we perceive and react to things. It's important that we never lose sight of this fact. Perception is reality. Something I like to say is I live my life like I'm the main character or protagonist in a movie. This is likely why I provide so much context in my statements that I make here, because actions speak louder than words, and call me John Cena because you can't see me, so I've got to provide some detail. Getting back to the personal life movie thing. Sure, I may go through some hard times and not be super happy, and an audience would understand if I were really going through it, you know? But if I was just rude, aggressive 24-7, a total jerk to everyone I meet, would that make me a sympathetic protagonist? Heck to the nah. We all like central characters we can identify and empathize with. Intentions are overrated. Words and actions define who we are in this world. As such, the power of our perspective gives us the ability to choose happiness positivity, and kindness whenever we see fit, which in my estimation should be pretty much all the dang time. Every time we consciously opt for positivity, I'd reckon we're providing ourselves with a type of positive reinforcement. It's imperative we remain cognizant of our ability to generate happiness from within and not necessarily seek it out like some magical cure-all someone else has to bestow upon us. For example, when someone tells me they love Star Wars, but 
they haven't seen every single live action movie which has come out. My response isn't to do that whole, oh my God, you haven't seen it. No, I always opt for the, oh man, you're in for such a wild ride. There's nothing like more Star Wars. Take another example, straight from my professional experience. When I was working with clients, especially those young hotshots who had aspirations of winning collegiate competitions and whatnot. I personally always shied away from sport-specific training because you've got to know when something's out of your wheelhouse. So I did more general fitness. I typically introduce exercises they weren't accustomed to as a finisher for the workout of the day or for cross-training. Especially when you're working with very driven and talented people who have been working with coaches their entire life. It's easy for them to slip into a little bit of a tough guy or toxic masculinity mindset. I don't intend those to be gendered terms because I saw the same behavior in multiple individuals regardless of gender. I just defer to that phrase toxic masculinity where because it's easy to get the point across. And everyone more or less understands what that entails. That's the whole suck it up buttercup or just uh, be a man or whatever, right? Just kind of power through. To get back to the hot shots I was working with, they were used to being barked at. And whenever they made a mistake, even though I never yelled at them, I could see the impact years of that had on their psyche. And I mean... These were 19, 18, 20-year-old kids, man. It's just absolutely crazy to think that that's what they, that that's the environment that they have been conditioned in or trained in. I mention this because whenever they make a mistake with improper form or, you know, a minor lapse in focus and no, no one got hurt, but, you know, they just, I was like, hey, do this. And they were like, oh, sorry, you know, just missing a second. They'd get super apologetic to me. And that is something I personally can't stand unless you've done something crazy wrong. Mistakes are a part of life. But especially when it comes to us making an active effort to better ourselves, I'm not a big fan of repeated negative reinforcement. We've discussed in numerous conversations and pretty much dissected this at length today. But negative reinforcement was something I was prone to doing for years in my head. And I'm acutely aware of how this negatively impacted my mindset. I would always tell them whenever they got super apologetic. It's all right to quote the legendary artist Pitbull. Every day above ground is a great day. So let's run it back and we'll do it again until you no longer do this incorrectly. I repeated that exact phrase every single time I saw them beat themselves up about something. I'm pretty sure I still do that at work. Pretty sure I still say this even to this day. I would do this and I would reiterate that they were apologizing to me again when there's no need to. I'm there to help them reach their goals, not jump up their behind because their form was slightly off or because they missed one or two words that I said. Sure, I'd absolutely correct the errors, but being super tough isn't something I'm very fond of because... That strikes me as a very antiquated way of communicating. It's something that causes people to put their defenses up and put those walls up. And to me, that just inhibits our 
mental progress because it wouldn't necessarily impact our physical, but it certainly could. I much prefer to opt for positive reinforcement and fostering a discussion centered around context and the big picture while focusing on details when necessary, just like we do here. In my personal and professional opinion, if you treat someone like an intelligent adult, their quote, true colors will show, and more often than not, most people are all right enough. When it comes to the idea of maintaining happiness, to me it's always been a matter of perspective and confidence. Take, for example, work. Your work, my work. Work is work, right? Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it sucks. Hopefully, most of the time, it's fine. But it's a necessity all of us need to do to survive. Like we discussed in a recent conversation, the fact I need to work at a company or for another individual to acquire currency has been my single biggest source of frustration since I entered the workforce almost 20 years ago at this point. Dang. That's crazy. There have been plenty of places I loved working, just like I enjoyed my current professional role. So this isn't an indictment of the jobs themselves or the companies themselves. This stems more from the need itself and the idea, or at least the idea in my head, that people are making money off my creativity, talent, and work ethic. I'd much rather be at home Focusing on the things I enjoy, like creating our conversations here or making YouTube videos, but eh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Such is life. I bring this up because for years, I hated going to work. I allowed that idea and that predilection, I guess is a better way to phrase it, of not liking working at a company to color my perspective, which in turn created a contentious relationship in my head with the main thing in my life that provides me money. When I had my own business, I was entirely on my own for a couple years. My perspective began to change. There was no longer a big corporation or, quote, the man over my head making money off me. Just became, work just became something that I needed to do to survive. I began to view the prospect of working more as a necessity I need to get out of the way, like doing laundry, mowing the lawn, or getting work done on the car. The idea of going to work became something I was more or less indifferent to, as opposed to something I actively did not like. And that simple change in perspective did wonders for me. I began treating aspects of work like a game (laughs) to derive some mild entertainment from the place where I spend the bulk of my time. I regularly communicate to colleagues in, I think, most most jobs I've worked at that I wake up and choose violence every day I go to work because it's an opportunity to work out frustration and things like that. Now, don't get it twisted, right? I'm at a place of work and I'm a professional. So it's not like I'm throwing a tantrum like a child or yelling or anything. Nah, nah, nah. I tell colleagues that I view the political conversations we engage in like a boxing match. Sometimes I'm throwing a few jabs and that's enough to stop the other person in their tracks. Sometimes I have to dodge, dive, dip, duck, and dodge before throwing a haymaker. Someone who loves boxing and really enjoyed the Fight Night gaming series, I use this analogy of 
political conversations being akin to a boxing match as a means of deriving entertainment. And it's merely a bonus that it's fairly apt, if you think about it, when discussing the act of communicating politically. I know that was a bit of a tangent, but the single most beneficial thing I've done for my attitude and mindset is remaining cognizant of my power. My power to dictate my perspective. The power to believe in myself and consequently use that confidence to always opt for happiness, kindness, and empathy. There's already enough negativity and bad junk out there in the world. So I prefer to only put out positivity. Perception is reality. And we're wholly in control of our perception, whether we realize this fact or not. Like we discussed recently, you, my dear psychomaniac, are one of a kind. You're one in a million. And nobody else on this earth has any power over you unless you give it to them. Your mileage may vary on this, but for me, the key to happiness is consciously choosing to look on the bright side at all times. It's avoiding negativity because that does nothing for us and we only put out positivity and empathy in the world. I figure even if only putting out positivity and empathy doesn't substantially improve my circumstances or the finances, I know at the very least that myself, True Bros, the one-of-a-kind hotshot sneakerhead and YouTuber, isn't contributing to the negativity out there in the world. That sentiment alone brings a smile to my face, as does the sound of popping open a super carbonated can of ice-cold sparkling water, just like securing a W in Fortnite does, just like hearing my darling's wife laugh does, and just like I loved hearing my grandmother giggle whenever we talk about taking her out to eat and getting her a Michelob. In my eyes, happiness is everywhere, but the onus is on us as healthy, fit, and positive people to unearth it and share it with the world. I say, let's go to our happy place, so strap on your running shoes the next time you're able, and baby, baby, let's get to work. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We try to drop new episodes every other workout Wednesday, so make sure you smash that subscribe button. If you've ever got questions or ideas for a topic you'd like covered in a future episode, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at anyonecanrunpod or at truebros. If you need more gains, do me a solid and suplex that subscribe button on YouTube as I'm typically dropping a new video every single Muscle Monday. It also helps when you leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app of choice to help us dominate the charts. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast. And if you did, don't forget to pound that subscribe button. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for. And regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville. <laughs>